Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. We are starting our Christmas series here for the next handful of weeks. And the title of this series, super creative. Are you ready for it? Jesus. <laughs> Boom. Like, I just thought, like, let's just keep it like exactly what Chris is about. It's all about Jesus. It's just Jesus. And so uh, I'm going to talk about who Jesus is. And, and uh, it's an amazing thing because Jesus really, it's really important for Jesus, for us to know who he is. And he shows this in this question to his disciples in Matthew 16. Matthew 16, 13 says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Twitter says Elijah. Instagram says Jeremiah. And uh, uh, now there's this thing called TikTok. I don't even know what that is. Can somebody tell me what TikTok is? I'm officially like, we'll talk later. Uh, but it's like the new thing. Uh, some say uh, you're one of the prophets. So the word on the street right now, there's a lot of opinions of who Jesus is. And if I could just give you a little like just Christian um, advice on this journey is when you start to live for God, you become a leader in the community because really servants are leaders. So people start to see you a little differently. People have opinions about who you are, just to give you a heads up. This is going to be the reality. And if I get to say it, some people aren't going to like you. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Turn your neighbor and say, no, actually don't do that one. Um, <laughs> Chip said, don't do it. Uh, I, uh, I remember even starting you know, plan the church and being in ministry. And, and if I could just give you a little heads up, don't worry about what people say about you that isn't true. Just worry about what they say about you that is true, okay? Um, and not only that, like, I never worry about what the crowd says about me, but I do, like, want to make sure that my wife, like, what she thinks about me and what she says about me is good that he's honorable, that he's kind, that he's hilarious, that he's good looking, that he's debonair. <laughs> I wanna hear that, you know what I'm saying? Uh, my close friends, they know who I am, and, and that really is the ones that you wanna ask, like, who am I, you know? And so, so these are the people that have been riding with Jesus, they know Jesus, and he says, who do you say I am? And I love Simon Peter because he's asking the group, but this is just how Peter rolls. He's like, I got the answer! And so he screams out, who's who you are? You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Woof! What a declaration. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was Messiah. Stop. It's really important for you to know who you are so you know who you aren't. A lot of us are trying to, who am I, who am I, am I not this and this? And so we focus on all the things that we're not. And if you just go to the word of God, if you could just go to Jesus, he'll save you a lot of time and he'll give you one word. You're Peter, which means rock. He doesn't focus on all the things that Peter isn't. He focuses on the one thing he is. And so when you see God, because here's, here's the reality is, is for you to know who you are, you need to know who he is. And so this whole series is, because how sad is it be to think you know who Jesus is, but really you don't have any clue. You think he's angry. You think he's um, apathetic towards sin. Those are not, that's not Jesus. And so this series really is to show us who Jesus is, not who he isn't. And just the point really to how great God is and how great Jesus is and how kind he is and how powerful he is and, just, and the promise on our life. There's four things that happen when you actually see God for who he is, then he lets you know who you are. Four things happened here when he said he was the Messiah. One is, is he was blessed. Who wants a blessing? Raise your hand. You're welcome. Done. Um, uh, second thing, what does he get? He gets a purpose. He goes, you're, you're going to build the church. What's another thing he gets? He gets a new identity. And last but not least, he gets authority. Do you know that you cannot manufacture authority? Your authority is whatever you give your authority to. So I give my authority to 
the king of kings. I walk in his authority. I don't give it to finances. I don't give it to a person's opinion. I give it to the king. And so my prayer today, as we go into this message, we're going to learn from a parable, is that we would see a facet of God every week that is just one that would maybe be new revelation. It would be kind of fresh bread or a reminder for some of you. And because it reminds you of who he is, it actually gives you a little bit more understanding of who you are. Is this making sense? Bow your heads. It's about to be good. Let's go. Uh, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing at Mission Church. I thank you for your word. Oh, it's such a gift. I thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your word, God. And Lord, I pray that um, my words would fall before you with the sword, Lord, that I would get out of the way. God, you, your, your word, you show it. It's, it's this powerful, powerful thing that, that, that will separate bone from marrow, that it, it creates freedom. And, and so, Lord, we thank you so much that you are the word. Lord, we, we thank you that we get to hear from you today. And everybody said? Yeah. Matthew 20. Uh, it's a parable that I actually have never heard taught in church. And so I started studying it. And um, even like some of my favorite pastors, I, I like was trying to find if they preached on it. And I was like, dang, they, that's crazy. They haven't. Even my, some of my favorite old school pastors, I was like, I wonder if they preached on it. I couldn't find a sermon from them on this. So this would be a fun one. And I did find some uh, scholars, though, Jewish scholars, said this is one of the most glorious parables of all time. And so it's about a, um, uh, a vineyard and laborers. If you have your Bibles, Matthew 20, we're going to start in uh, verse 1, read now the ESV. Uh, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went out, uh, so they went going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us, he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. Stop. So here's what's happening in this moment. Uh, if you know the context of Jewish history, there was a marketplace. Um, it would be kind of like going to a construction place and hiring a day laborer, somebody who is hoping to get hired that day because they don't have a consistent job. They're hoping to make money that day so they can feed themselves and feed their families. So this was happening this uh, time also. So people would be in the marketplace. Somebody who had a vineyard would come in and say, I'll hire you, I'll pay you a day's wage. A denarius was like a silver coin. It was the, the normal amount that would uh, suffice your needs for the day. And so you'd walk in the marketplace, you'd hire people and say, come with me. And you're hoping to be picked. It is your only hope to put food on your table and provide for your family, is that a person who owns a vineyard would hire you to help uh, um, uh, work in their vineyard. And so what you see in this picture is he goes to the very beginning of the day, the first hour. This would be 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. in Jewish time. So the first hour represents 6 a.m. So he'd go out there at 6 a.m. in the marketplace, and he would hire um, people in the first hour. Then the third hour, he'd come back in, and then he'd hire some more. And then, the, and then the sixth hour, the ninth hour, the eleventh hour would be 5 p.m., and he'd hire him for one more hour before the sun sets around 6 p.m., and then they'd be done. So this is what's happening in this story. You're hoping to be picked. Oh, you are hoping, please pick me. I don't have hope to feed myself. You are the only hope if you pick me. These people get picked. So you think all of them would be happy, right, if they got picked? <laughs> Wrong. Here we go. Um, so here at the beginning of the, uh, call the laborers. So at the very end, he goes, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired at the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last worked only one hour. These last worked only, so the people who are last, they only worked one hour. And you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. 
I choose to give to the last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? I think a lot of us will allow the Lord to be Lord of our life in some places, but when we really have him sit on the throne and make the decisions, it kinda, it's a hard place for us to do. Because he's the Lord of maybe your dreams, but he's not the Lord of your wounds. Or he's the Lord of your wounds, but he's not the Lord of your dreams. Or he's the Lord of your promotion, but he's not the Lord of your finances. Oh God, give me the promotion, but the finances are mine. And really what's happening here is God's going, either I'm the master, I'm the Lord, or you are. I get to do whatever I want to do. I'm the king. You said yes. And whatever I give you, I get to do it because I'm in charge. So it goes on to say, did you, uh, did you not agree with, uh, for a denarius, a day's wage? Am I not allowed to do what I choose what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Another translation would say, does my kindness, does my generosity frustrate you? So the last will be first and the first will be last. How many people love Pharisees? You just love Pharisees. Gotta be fair. 50-50, like you're cutting food down the middle. You're like, I'm watching you cut that food. It can't be 60-40. I know what you're up to. And you're like, you better cut that ravioli perfectly down the middle. And then if one side's bigger, you're like, well, you cut it. I get the bigger side because you're the one who cut it. Anybody do that at all? Who's into Pharisees? I'm into Pharisees when it works for me. And then I'm not into Pharisees when I want to be unfair. Group in LA, uh, who hates people cutting the line? Raise your hand. Who hates cutters? Oh, I can't stand cutters. We were in the airport just the last week and we were, you know, we did TSA pre-approved about a year ago. It's the greatest decision in my life. Uh, Thanksgiving, people were out the door and I had my TSA pre I was like, hello, peasants. And I uh, just walked to TSA pre and um, I was like, it's only like a hundred bucks for five years. You should all do it. No, actually, never mind. Um, I almost don't want the secret to come out. It's so easy to get, but... Um, so we're in line, and there's this lady with, uh, as we were traveling, there was this lady, she had a little carry-on, and she's literally just walking past everybody. And she's like, you know, uh, she's like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And we're like, what's going on? And she's like, I gotta catch a flight, excuse me. And I was like, we're all trying to catch a flight. Okay, like, you, you just can't cut, like I was always, and then you want everybody else to be upset with you, like, look at this lady right here, you know, stoner, you know. Um, <laughs> you want everybody to be like, this isn't fair, you know. And, but then, if I'm being honest, like, I'm the, Biggest hypocrite of them all. I'm the guy, if you just want to know, when the freeway, it's because I got trained in LA for this. In the freeway, you know, there's like a hundred cars and there's that last car that gets in right before the exit. I'm you're that guy. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Hey, grace and mercy. Forgiveness. I drive a Jeep Grand Cherokee or a Jeep. If you see me, please let me in, okay? I'd appreciate it, all right? Like, it's just what I do, you know? There's, like, I just, it's totally unfair. Somebody's been waiting 15 minutes in traffic and I'm like, whoop, boop, you know? I call it, I call it a time hack. It's called a time hack. Um, so I, I love fair when it works out for me and then I love unfair when it works out for me. I feel like that's a lot of us. And if I'm just being honest, you just need to know something. Jesus isn't into fair. He isn't. If, if he was into fair, we, we would all be dead because we deserve death. That'd be fair. He did not deserve death. He did not deserve what the life he had to go through. But because he's a gracious God, because if I can put this way, he's an unfair God to himself, he is gracious to all. Now, if I could just unpack this real quick, even this parable a little bit more. Um, uh, one of the scholars I just loved, it was beautiful the way he unpacked the, the first hour a worker, the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, and the eleventh hour. Because if I'm being honest, some of you, if I could just be real, you feel like you're the first hour worker. You're like the Christian, you're like, I've done everything for God. Because you know what this parable is birthed out of? It was birthed out of this question from Peter in Matthew 19. Peter says this to Jesus. It was after the rich young uh, ruler uh, walked away. He goes, then Peter said to him, Matthew 19, 27, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Can I just give you a little heads up what Christmas is about? 
Christmas isn't about what you've given up, but what God has given us. Come on, it's not about what you've given up. Don't impress yourself with what you've given up for God. Are you impressed yourself that you came to church? God, you're welcome. I showed up to church. God, you're welcome. I'm going to raise a hand today. You're welcome. God, I put a little tip in the box. You're welcome. I, um, I love what the scholar showed me in this uh, thing because some of us will have our best day. And then you know what a best day looks like, right? Let's just talk about like the best Christian day. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a best Christian day that was for me in my early 20s especially. So uh, one of our best days could look like this. You wake up. You pray, you read your Bible, you forgive the people that just, you just can't stand. You're like, Lord, I just pray that you would bless them. But also refine them with fire, God. Refine them, Lord. Refine them with fire. It's biblical, God, please. And so, so you, you pray for your enemies because it's a good day for you. You're doing great. So you're praying for your enemies. You forgive. You walk out of the house. You go to Starbucks. You get somebody's drink behind you. You're like, man, I'm, so, I'm, a, I'm amazing. You know? And then you go to work, and, and the people that drive you nuts, you're kind to that day, and, and you're just a little bit more attentive to people's needs, and, and then you go to the gym, and, and, um, and, and you're, you're a single guy, let's say that, because this was me in my 20s, and, and there's, you know, girls who are wearing what they shouldn't be wearing at the gym, and they're walking around, and they're doing the bend and snap and turn, and uh, they know what they're doing. Come on now. And, uh, and you know, you're like, a, you're like a, a sheep sent to the wolves at this gym, and, um, and so, but you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be holy today, and so you walk in the gym, and you're like, Job 31, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look at another maiden. I made a covenant with my eyes, and so you put a towel over your head. That's what I do at the gym. Uh, I just literally put a towel like this and just work out because it just, there's so many distracting things. It doesn't matter. And so, uh, and then, uh, you know, you read, you read the verse in Corinthians that you take capture of every thought. So, so you have like the best day ever. Like you were holy that day. You go back home, you go to bed. And I used to think this. Oh, God, I was amazing today. I was like, I, I feel like I'm going to get blessed a lot this week. What do, what do I get for this? And maybe that's just me. Maybe that's not you. Maybe that you don't think that way, but this is a broken way of thinking. This is you being impressed with your own works instead of being impressed with what he did on the cross. I think we can turn church in what I could put it this way, a jumping contest. And what I mean by a jumping contest is if we took everybody outside and we're like, all right, we're gonna do a jumping contest. And I just picked different people. Like, okay, you over here, you over here, you over here. The, the sun is 92 million miles away from us. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna have you jump. And whoever gets closest is the most amazing. And so one person jumps like me and I jump and I'm like, ah! you know, I got like a 15 inch vertical. It used to be at least like 20 something, but you know, I'm aging, whatever. Um, so like, you know, 15 inches, like, oh wow, Ty, you're 15 inches closer to the sun, you know? And, and then somebody else jumps, you're like, whoa, like, you know, that person's got like a 20 inch vertical. And, and then somebody else, like they were like a high jumper in, in college and they come up and they just, you know, and they're like, you know, let's say 47 inches in the air. And everybody's like, whoa, you were so close to the sun. You're only 91 million miles, 996,000 feet, and 999, and 40 inches. It would be comical to praise the person who jumped 40 inches and got closer. Could we agree with this? But I find it comical in the church that that's how broken our mindset is sometimes. We look at a pastor and go, oh, they're closer to God. I'm still 92 million miles away, by the way. I'll never be able to get there in my own work. Because the jumping is really just the religious way we try to get closer. You can't jump to get closer to God. He, he came to the earth to get closer to you. And, and that, that, that's really the, 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 the story of this is these workers had nothing. And they got invited into a purpose. They got invited into provision. And they're frustrated because somebody who was invited got the same grace. Because really it's about grace in this story. That they got grace, just as much grace as they got. If... If you look at the first hour, and this is what the scholar showed. I, I, it took me a while to get here, but now we're here now. The first scholar shows this. 
The first hour is like Adam and Eve being invited into their relationship with God. Take care of the garden. I'm, I'm going to provide for you. You're going to be a part of this. So the first hour, Adam and Eve. And you can say the, the third hour, when, when Jesus goes and hires again throughout the Bible, you could say it's Noah. Noah, I'm going to hire you to be a part of this. You're gonna be, I'm going to adopt you, and you're going to be a part of this, and you're going to build a boat for 120 years, and you're going to be the one that helps reboot this thing. And then, and then, and then Moses could be like the, the, the sixth hour. Moses, I'm going to hire you, uh, Lord, uh, to, to, to uh, deliver my people. You're going to become uh, my son, and you're going to be one that, that literally delivers our people, Moses. Moses like, okay, you got it. And you say the ninth hour could be like a David or a Joseph. Joseph, you're going to go in prison. David, you're going to be in the cave, and you're going to be persecuted, but it's all going to be for my glory, and my, my son's going to come through you, David. And Joseph, you're going to be used to, to, to preserve Israel. That's the first, third, sixth, ninth hour. The parable shows us the 11th hour people. It's the Gentiles. It's us. All of us are the 11th hour people. And can you imagine if you got to heaven, you're walking in, like, I made it. I made it to heaven. And, you know, and, and uh, Noah's like, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Tyler Johnson got into heaven. He gets the old, what old timeout, timeout. Okay, I built a boat for 120 years. It's about 400 feet long. People were making fun of me. It was in a desert. I was getting mocked. What did you do, Tyler? What did you do to get to heaven? Well, Noah, take a seat, I'll tell you. <laughs> Went to high school, played high school basketball, lived as a sinner. It's pretty impressed with myself, to be honest. I went to church, sat in the second row, and I did this. Pretty cool, right? And Joseph would be like, Rabbi, hold on a second. You raised your hand and you said yes to Jesus? That's all you did? Well, okay, hold on. And then we start, hold on a second, Joseph. I get it. You were in prison. Okay, okay. Okay, I, I, let me give you a little bit. Joseph, you know what we did? And I'll, 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 I'll share what I, was, what I have been impressed with myself at times in my life that I'm not impressed with anymore. I could be like, okay, okay, here, here's another one. Here's another one, guys. Um, so Rachel and I, when we were in LA, we were making a couple hundred thousand dollars. Rachel was at Sony. She was making most of it. And I was in ministry, but I was making some good money too. I was at a big church, about 8000 and so I was a good salary. And the Lord told us to walk away from that and to take more than a 50% pay cut. My wife made twenty grand, And I'd make whatever. And we'd make less than half. And we moved up to the Bay Area. And we got a new car. And we moved into our apartment. Are you guys impressed with what I did? No! There's, why would you, who cares? I gave up, it'd be like me saying, God, God I, I gave up $100,000 for you a year. What do I get out of this? You gave up nothing compared to what he gave up. Whatever you think you've given up for God, it is nothing compared to what God gave up for you and his son. And some of us, we get so impressed with what we've done. But if I'm being honest, we're the 11th hour workers that snuck in almost, if I can say that way. Jesus came in the, the last days and he said, why are you still standing here? And the reason is because we're Gentiles. Nobody invited us to be a part of the party. And Jesus goes, no, 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 I invite you to be a part of it. Come have a purpose. And can I just, can I use the illustration of the donkey real quick in, in the New Testament? Do you think the donkey was loosened so he could run wild? When he goes, go get me the donkey colt. And so he goes and gets him, and he uses him to ride in, of course, into the city. And I just, I want you to hear this real quick. You are not saved to run wild. You are saved to serve. You are saved to build a kingdom. And you think serving is a punishment? You do not know who God is. It is the greatest privilege. It will refresh your soul. You are saved to build a house. You are saved to worship. You are not saved to just run wild. And so these people, when they're invited, that was the salvation moment to say, come now, come work in my vineyard, come work in my church, come, come do things that you never would have done before. Is this making sense? So I want to look at a quick story. Uh, 
It's in Luke 19. And it's one of the more famous stories about Zacchaeus. And um, it's, it's fascinating. Jesus drove religious people crazy. Because Jesus' nature was just, it was grace. And he would just come into places. And religious people didn't understand grace because they didn't make their equation. And, and it, it was weird. Like, you would think they would know this about Jesus. But it says in Philippians 2 that God is the perfect example for us. Jesus is the perfect example. And when I get to know the Lord, there's more and more things as the journey goes on. I just, I'm surprised by him. And I just, it just surprised me. Like, Lord, I didn't know you were that patient. I didn't know you were that kind. Lord, I, I didn't realize how holy you were. Forgive me, Lord. You're so holy, and, and I'm called to be holy. I should hate sin. Oh, it destroys people. Oh, I should hate sin. So you learn all these things. And it's kind of like even a marriage, if I'm being honest. I remember getting married to Rachel. And uh, we got married uh, seven and a half years, almost eight years ago now. And um, something I did not know about my wife is she was a spiller. She's a dropper, okay? I mean, like, on a whole nother level, okay? I didn't know this, okay? She kept it. She hid it from me uh, before we got married. And so I remember, like, we're, like, a month into marriage. We're in our apartment in Burbank. And uh, we went to Costco. We got one of those big old jugs of salsa from Costco. You know what I'm talking about, those big ones. And big, big ones, you know. And uh, we opened the lid, and we're uh, watching a movie. And just living the married life. It's like the best thing. We're like, let's just watch a movie. Went to Redbox and, you know, um, uh, uh, started watching a movie. And at the very end of it, um, I remember I took the trash out, and Rachel was going to put the salsa away. And so I just, one month in, I just walked back in the uh, apartment, and there is salsa everywhere. It's on the ceiling. It's on the wall. It's on the TV. It looks like she took the salsa jug and just went like this. I was like, what happened? She's like, Tyler, I dropped it at the perfect angle, like on edge, and it just exploded everywhere. And I was like, I, I feel like if we would have been married for more years, I feel like it would have been like pent up aggression, like, he never listens to me, he never says sorry. And like, I was like, I was like, to this day, I still don't know if she spilled it or just threw it everywhere, you know what I'm saying? But supposedly she dropped it and it exploded all over the house, we're wiping off the ceiling. I was like, who, who, who does this? Like, this is like a superpower. So then like a few weeks later, I remember, you know, buying my Honda Accord. The Honda Accord was my first purchase. I bought it with cash. Dave Ramsey, come on now, help me get out of debt. Taught me how to tithe. Hey, uh, Dave Ramsey plug, okay? And so, um, so uh, Dave Ramsey taught me how to buy a car with cash. So I bought my Honda with cash, and I loved the, the car because it, it was like I, I labored for it. And I get in the car, and the, the shifter feels a little weird. What's going on with the shifter? And she had a coffee, but it was half empty, but she just got the coffee. Where did half that coffee go? And so I look at her, I'm like, where did the... Did you spill the coffee in the shifter? She's like, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. with the put a hair and this fell in. You know? It's like, I don't know what's more upsetting, the spill or the deception, but man, you know. And so she's just, I mean, just spilling everywhere. Then, then uh, we move up to the, the Bay Area, and our, like our first year here, um, uh, you know, I should have known because her first iPhone was like shattered. Flashlight would always stay on. It was like destroyed. And so... Um, we always had to make sure she had like an OtterBox, like some kind of thing to protect the iPhone. So the, fir the first year up here, I remember buying an iPhone. I'm like, hey, OtterBox gets delivered tomorrow by Amazon. You have one day to make it. Just don't drop the iPhone. She's like, I'm not going to drop the iPhone. And I'm like, okay, okay. Well, silly me for asking you not to drop something because you're, you're a dropper. <laughs> you know, but, um, so I leave. I come to worship practice at night five hours later. And Rachel looks at me with like this kind of face. I was like, what happened? She's like, I dropped the iPhone. It's like, you had it for five hours and you shattered the screen. It was like Andy Samberg. I threw it to the ground. I mean, I mean, she just threw it to, I mean, it looked like she chucked it on the ground. And I was like, this is like a gift. It's a superpower, you know? And, and so now we don't, we don't give her an iPhone until it has a box around it. Um, you're like, well, is this really that big of a deal? Uh, so we have uh, some friends, they, they go to our church, Tom and Laura Glazier. They were um, put a flooring into their house. And they told the person putting the flooring in, hey, we have a friend and they're a spiller. They're a dropper. Could you make sure the flooring 
uh, is like for a spiller or a dropper. Like design their house for her, okay? Uh, yeah. I, uh, and then I was like, I think I have a, a picture of one of her spills. This was a handful of years ago. It was when she got a Frappuccino. Uh, and I wa- opened up the door, and, uh, and this is literally what was on the floor. Look at that. Who spills that much Frappuccino on the floor? Like, again, if you spill, like a little bit comes out, it looks like she took the lid off and just threw it to the ground. You know, like, like who does this? This is my baby girl. I have embraced the spiller. I love it now. I love it. Like, like we spilled together. You know what I'm saying? She spills coffee, I'll just dump it on myself too, you know? Let's just spill. I I have surrendered that this is just a part of my wife's nature, that she's a spiller, she's a dropper. I'm not gonna fight it anymore. I can't. It's just just a part part of the journey. She even like says one of her superpowers is catching her iPhone when she drops it. But she only catches like half the time. She's like, oh, oh my gosh, I caught it. Look at that, that's amazing. I was like, because you dropped it. Um, oh, this is going to make sense. I'll tie this in. Some of you, especially the religious people at this time, they just couldn't get over it. It drove them nuts that wherever Jesus went, he was a spiller. And he would spill on purpose. He would walk into places, just like this in Luke 19 where he sees Zacchaeus, and he wouldn't spill on accident. He would just walk into a house and just spill grace. And the religious people would be like, how dare you spill grace? We contain it. We control it. We let people know who can have it and who can't have it. We just don't give out good identities just to anybody. They got to earn identity. We just don't give out value just to anybody. They got to earn it from us. We just don't spill it on people. We just don't give it to people. How dare you do it? It frustrates us when you give people something that we deserve. If you, you just need to know something, Jesus is a spiller. Don't fight it, just enjoy it. Just wake up in the morning going, God, you're gonna pour out some grace on my life because that's just what you do. You can't help yourself. You're, just gonna, you're gonna pour out kindness and blessing on my life. You're gonna pour these things out on my life because that's who you are. You spill on purpose on my life. And so there's this moment in Luke 19, if I could just show it to you, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region and he'd become very rich. He tried to take a look at Jesus, but uh, he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass uh, that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by the name, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be your guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Woo! Man, there's just something about when somebody who had no way, who now has a way, who's somebody who had no hope, that has hope, there's this excitement and joy. What an amazing moment right now. It'd be like our church would be growing like it is right now, and there's excitement and joy. People are being saved. And then religious people are like, I bet you that church, the reason why they're growing is because they're not even talking about Jesus. Uh, you, know, you know, they tell people that God loves them where they're at. He does. <laughs> it's biblical but he loves them way too much to leave them there. Come on. We tell people, come just as you are. Well, 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 they can come just as they are for about a month, but after a month, they better be suited and booted and know all the right words and stop sinning. You know, religious people are a lot like vacuums. They are. They both suck, okay? <laughs> Just say it, okay? So it makes sense. Give me a second, okay? I've been sick and I've been on mucinex. Okay, here we go. Um, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. So excitement and joy is a part of this. But the people were displeased. 
He has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Man, religious people just suck the excitement and joy out of the room. Religious people just suck the peace out of the room. They suck grace out of the room. They're like, hold on a second. The vacuum's what keeps us clean, so the vacuum better keep them clean. Religion's what keeps us, what we, gets, gets us everything, so religion should get them everything. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. Your vacuum never cleans up good enough. He said the vacuum's like the law. The law never, ever, ever is sufficient enough to save us. The only thing that can save you is his grace. It's like there's stains all over the carpet. And you take a vacuum out, and it just, it could almost, if I'm being honest, if there were stains on the carpet on a vacuum, and you told me, you clean this carpet up, and these stains better be gone. If they're not gone, then you're a failure, and you're never going to have the life you're supposed to live. And so can you imagine me just with a vacuum over and over again? I, I, I do. I want the life that God has for me. I want to live the life God has for me. But I just keep on vacuuming, and nothing happens. This was Zacchaeus. He's like, I failed. I aligned myself with the Roman nation that would rape and pillage my people and they would put people on crosses and show that they were powerful and dominating. They would oppress people. They would sacrifice babies. I mean, Rome was not good. And, and Zacchaeus decided to align with them and then cheat his own people. He was the worst dude of the worst dudes. There's no hope for this kind of guy. He could try everything, but there's no hope. He can't vacuum enough to save himself anymore. So what happens? Jesus brings grace to his home. And spills love and kindness and generosity into Zacchaeus' life. I'll show you. This is an amazing picture. So they have lunch. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give you half my wealth to the poor. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save who are lost. Stop. I have no idea what happened in that conversation. But I've got, to, I've got to think that when Zacchaeus was hearing the gospel message and hearing grace for the first time and hearing his new identity for the first time, that he didn't earn it, but he received it. He didn't achieve the identity, he's received it. And I could just picture Jesus saying, Zacchaeus, I know you're not a selfish man. You're my son. You're a generous son. You're, you're blessed with riches not to take from people, but to give to people. This, this, this conversation, we'll find out what it is in heaven, but if I could just use this term, and let's say that's not even the conversation. Let's say they just looked at each other for an hour. And Jesus knows his thoughts, and Zacchaeus is just feeling undone. Not in the worst way, but being like, Jesus, you're new to the area, but I'm the worst guy here. And maybe an hour later, Zacchaeus just started bubbling up, and he encountered the Lord, and he gets saved. Because if I'm being honest, you know what the mark of a saved Christian is? You become a spiller too. You become a spiller too. Jesus spills grace and generosity in your life. What does Zacchaeus do? <sighs> I can't help myself. I just got saved. Okay, here's what's going to happen. Um, you know what I'm going to do? Half my wealth. I'm going to give it to the poor. Like, who, what kind of person does that? Like, that'd be weird. Like, you walk in the poor streets and, like, Zacchaeus walked into the streets where we were poor and he just gave half of his wealth away. Zacchaeus cheated me. He's like, here's four times back. Zacchaeus, the man who loved money, now loves giving money. Saved people become spillers. If you don't give love very well, you got to ask yourself, Lord, do I know how much you love me? Yeah. Oh, because he does. Oh, read your word. He loves you. Oh, I mean, I mean, passionately, with a fervor. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. With a fervor, he loves you. I mean, 
The shirts for God so loved, it's not just some tokenary statement. It's one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. He gave him, he poured out his life for you and I. So whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you don't have joy, if you don't have mercy and forgiveness for people, oh, I am gracious to people because I know God could be done with me in a second. I am so flawed in so many ways. I've sinned too many times to count in my life. And I'll wake up in the morning and I'll be preparing my message and I'll just feel so inadequate sometimes. I'll just feel so inadequate. And then I'll start worshiping, I'll start reading the word. And if I'm being honest, what happens is I go from inadequate to kind of confident in a weird way. Like I literally like start worshiping, and this is literally what happened this morning. I started worshiping. I was worshiping as you find me. It's one of our songs we do right now in Waymaker. We're gonna probably add that in the new year, and um, that's okay with Darnell. And uh, and so uh, so I was worshiping, and I just started thinking about the message today. I was like, oh, oh, it's gonna be good today, Lord. Oh, we're gonna populate heaven today, Lord. Oh, heaven's gonna get populated. And when I say we, really you are, because I don't save people. I just talk about you. But He lets me be a part of it. I'm in the vineyard. I'm the worker. Whatever you want to do today, God, you get to do. And you get this swagger and a confidence. And then I even look at my own life. I'm like, man, God, you love me. Gosh, you're, you're so proud of me, my identity, who I am. I've got value. Oh, I, somebody who had no value now has value. Can I just be honest with you? This wasn't even my message in the first service. I need to share this with somebody else in this service. I share this at Team Night, but I didn't share this first service. I never felt like I was the one that was going to do something great in my life. I always felt overlooked as a kid and even as a teenager. You're like, hold on a second, Tyler. No way. You're 6'4". You're good looking. It's impossible. It's true. It's true. Actually, no, I, I don't think I'm that good looking. On 110, I think I'm a six, whatever. But with my humor, I'm like an eight. Okay, anyways. Um, oh, he's honest in church. Shocking. Um, catch this. I never felt like I was chosen to do great things. I never. And people confirmed it to me so many times. I was always like the third best basketball player. I was always, you know, the guy who was the funny friend was like more like a brother. That always feels good. And then I remember even going to church. And me and Drew walk into church and the senior pastor sees both of us and he goes, there's something special in your guy's life. I was like, well, it's one of the first times I've ever heard that. Okay, yeah. And then the next week he sees Drew and he goes, Drew, I'm going down to Palm Springs with seven pastors. I want you to come with me. Something special in your life. I want you to see what it looks like to be in ministry. You got that on you? Come with me, Drew. And I was like standing next to Drew. I was like, bye. Glad that he's gonna have you go. I was going to be over here. And so I'd hear a lot in the first few years of church. I'd sit there and I'd hear God wants to do great things in your life. And I just never felt like it was me. And then I had this moment in my bedroom where the Lord poured out his grace and his mercy and his spirit. And I remember bawling my head off, but getting this new holy swagger in my life going, I'm going to change the world. God's gonna use me to impact people's lives. God, you're gonna use me to let people know when there was no way, there is a way. I'm gonna bring hope to hopeless people. I was somebody who was depressed and wanted to kill themselves. I'm gonna let people know who are depressed that are done with themselves, that God's not done with you. If there is breath in your lung, there is still a plan and a purpose for your life. And the more and more I hung out with my God, the more and more confident in who I um, feel like he created me to be. I'm Anybody around here, if I'm being honest, you could be next to somebody to your right and left and they're gonna be smarter than you. I know there's smarter people. 
I, I get it. You're going to be around somebody else. Like, I never was a great student, to be honest. I was an okay student. I, I, I know there are going to be people who are better communicators than me. Okay. I know people are going to be whatever better than me. But here's what I know. I'm chosen to be in the vineyard. Then I'm picked. And I get to be in the vineyard in the house. And I get to, I get to be a part of what he pours out. And then when he pours out of me, I get to pour it out into people's lives. I'm a world changer. You don't decide my value. He decides my value. I don't decide your value. He decides your value. This is Christmas. Will you bow your heads with me? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.